Hi, everyone. I'm just going to start praying before we listen to God's word today. Father, thank you for making yourself known to us, showing us the way of salvation through faith in your son. We ask you now to teach us through your word so that we may be ready to serve you. For the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first reading will be from Proverbs 18. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. When wickedness comes, so does contempt and with shame comes reproach. The word of the mouth of deep waters but a fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. It is not good to be partial to the wicked and so deprive the innocent of justice. The lips of fools bring them strife, and their mouths invite a beating. The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is the fortified city. They imagine it a war too high to scale. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but the crushed spirit who can bear. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. A gift opens a way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right, until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart. A brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the bad gates of a citadel. From the fruit of their mouths, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy, but the rich answers harshly. One who has unreliable friends soon come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Our second reading will be from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one, each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Good morning, everyone. You can grab your bulletin, uh, which on the back has an outline uh, for you to follow along. 
yes. And the other thing I wanted to mention to you just briefly is I hope you've been finding your time in Proverbs fruitful so far. Uh, right at the beginning, we mentioned how Proverbs is just a great book for the household, a great book for the young and the old to discuss together, a great book for parents to read with children, to think about how to live a wise and godly life. And so Tala has been writing these articles, and I commend this article to you. Uh, it's called Raising Up Church Kids. And it's that idea of thinking about like how, you know, almost living out Proverbs in our in our lives, especially if we're parents. And this article is an important one. It helps see our responsibility as parents for raising up children. So have a read. But also, on the back, it has week five and week six, Proverbs for you to discuss with your family uh, or whoever you live with. Uh, and um, so I also think that's another great way for us to kind of dine on wisdom together as a household. Uh, but this week, we are into a, a sermon on how we use our words. So I hope these words are okay. Um, but I, I work here at church, as you know. Uh, one of the things that we do as a staff team is we often talk about the culture of our church, those deeply embedded patterns that shape the way we do things. And so we might ask the question, do we have a culture of depending on, on God in prayer? Or do we have a culture of loving anyone and everyone who walks through those doors? Or do we have a culture, if we're thinking Proverbs, of being loving and faithful? The thing is, as soon as I start thinking about culture, I get a little overwhelmed because changing culture is hard. I start thinking, oh, I have little influence or I have little power to bring about change. I'm no Instagram influencer. Uh, and maybe, you know, you think about yourself, you think about your work or your family uh, or church, all those different cultures, and you might feel the same way. A little lacking in the power you need to bring about change. But Proverbs teaches us that all of us have the power of life and death. All of us have the potential to unite or divide. All of us have the possibility to heal or destroy. All of us. Because all of us hold the power of words. Now words, I think, are a pretty funny thing. I don't often reflect on my words because they're just so much part of my life. You know, I wake up, I chat to my family, saw Luca, then I saw And. I might send a text. Some days I might post a comment. I'll make a phone call. I'll lead a meeting at staff. I'll stand around after church today and I'll have a bit of a chat. Uh, words, they're just part of life. I can't remember a day when I've not spoken a word to someone. And, and this is the thing, if words are so common and if words are so powerful, then we do well to reflect on them. And the book of Proverbs helps us do that. The book of Proverbs are the words of a king to his son. The king is preparing his son to live a wise life to rule a righteous kingdom that is filled with love and faithfulness. And this is really important as we come to read Proverbs because a common approach to Proverbs is to read it simply as an individual, as a self-help book. We might think, if I do the things in Proverbs, my life will work. But Proverbs is not a self-help book. It's a kingdom help book. It's a book that forms a community of God's people. It's a book that shapes the culture of God's people. It's a book that teaches us how to reflect the love of faithfulness of God together, of which our words are a very important part. 
Now, you already know this. If you've been at our Proverbs series, the first nine chapters have been lectures from the father to the son, and he's urged his son to choose wisdom, choose wisdom over folly. But now we really do enter the world of one-sentence Proverbs. There's somewhere between eight to 900 proverbial sayings. But what is a proverb? Well, a proverb is a saying that arises in our world that just seems to click. Uh, it's a sentence that makes a lot of sense of life as we know it. So some modern proverbs, money doesn't grow on trees, or two wrongs don't make a right, or fortune favours the bold. One definition I like is a proverb, a sentence filled to the brim with ideas. I love that definition. Because proverbs often involve an image or an observation from the world. At first, pretty simple to understand, but then the more you play with it or the more you throw it around with a friend, the more profound, deep, and helpful it becomes. And so Proverbs really is best read slowly and reflectively, which is why today we're only hearing from four verses. The other thing you might have noticed from our Bible reading in particular is unlike other parts of the Bible where there may be a clear storyline or a logical argument, the book of Proverbs is not that. It's actually a struggle to discern the structure of the book. Each chapters often cover multiple themes from family to friends to wealth to poverty to justice and truth to work and laziness and the list could go on. Some suggest that this lack of structure is simply mimicking the way we experience life. If the th this theory is true, then it's very appropriate that a large portion of Proverbs deals with our words. I did a really rough search and I calculated there are about 120 Proverbs that address our use of words. And of course, we can't reflect on all of them today, uh, but given their importance and given they are best read slowly and reflectively, here is a sheet that was in your bulletins as well, four verses a day on words that you can read for the next week to reflect on words and reflect on them carefully and slowly. But today, we're going to start with four verses uh, on Sunday, and then tomorrow you can read another four, and we're going to dine on wisdom together. We're going to learn together what it looks like to live a life of love and faithfulness with our words. First thing, your words matter. Uh, when God created the world, he said, let there be light, and there was light. God, God spoke, and things happened. Imagine if when we spoke, things simply happened. For those who are parents, oh, clean your room, boom. Uh, be great or maybe you're a teacher or you're a manager at work imagine if your words had the same power as God's wow I suspect more often than not though we actually doubt the power of our words Proverbs 18 to 21 teaches us that our words matter first our words affect ourselves uh, imagine for a moment you're a farmer you've toiled in the sun you've tended to the soil you've planted the seeds you've watered your crop Daily, you've cared for your field. Finally, the day of harvest comes and you've picked your fruit until your hands are sore. Finally, you sit down at the end of the harvest and you enjoy a great feed. And as you sit there holding fruit in your hand, you see the output of all your work. Your work led to this fruit. And as you eat it, you're filled. Your hands, your labor was productive. It led to something. Our wise teacher takes this image and applies it to our words. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. 
With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. Our words, like a farmer's work, have a consequence. How you use your words impacts whether you will eat and be satisfied. And it's kind of true. Think about really successful people. Often, they are excellent communicators. Your words affect your life. But you might notice something a little weird if you're still looking at that proverb. Uh, uh, What comes out of your mouth, you eat. That's weird. So an expert in Proverbs wrote this, eating one's own fruit, words, is an oxymoron. In other words, to satisfy one's hunger by what comes out of the mouth is an absurdity. The oxymoron forces the thought that whatever a person dishes out, whether beneficial or harmful, he himself will feed on to full measure through what his audience in return dishes out on him. Love all the puns. It's great. But it reminds us that what we speak and how we speak has a huge impact on our own daily life. And it's really not hard to see this play out in normal life. If you consistently speak bitter words, what will your food be? Loneliness and discontent. Or if you consistently speak kind and generous words, what will your daily food be? Company and joy. Our words affect ourselves and those we love. They are like the labor of a farmer. Use your words well and enjoy a rich harvest. But of course, our words impact others. 12, 19. I did a little research on the tongue. Uh, The tongue is a very helpful organ. Uh, It moves food around in your mouth so you can swallow it. Uh, It keeps your airway open so you can breathe. Our tongue uh, helps us live. But the tongue also has an impact on others because it helps us speak. And though it is small, averaging eight centimeters in length, the words that it forms can be both a cure to a deadly disease and a weapon of mass destruction. 1821, the tongue has the power of life and death. Our words can bring about life. Life in Proverbs is not simply physical existence, it's about a life that's filled with joy and blessing rather than curse. And life is not concerned just with the individual, but this is life within a community. The tongue has the power of life, to bring harmony and peace, to unite and to grow. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The tongue has the power of life. But also the tongue has the power of death. One of the saddest things I read as I was preparing for this sermon was a suicide note that simply read, he said, words have the power of death. Words cut down reputations, harsh words, murder, relationships, gossip kills communities. In Proverbs, the words of the wicked destroy a whole city. And you you just think back to the story of the Tower of Babel, the whole world at that point in time had one language and one common speech Rather than using their tongue for life, they used their tongue for death. They exalted themselves above God and they said to each other, come, let's build ourselves a city with a, power that re- with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. They wanted to rise above the God who loved them and made them. God saw the power of their common tongue, their tongue that they used for death, and so he scattered them across the earth. You know, over and over again throughout the history of God's people, the tongue has the power of death. 
false prophets, hypocritical Pharisees, apostate kings, led people away from the worship of the one and only God, not with a huge army, but with the power of a tongue. The tongue has the power of death. Our words matter. As Christians, we know this, 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. Maybe God's word was first spoken to you through a parent or a grandparent or an auntie or an uncle or a friend or even just an acquaintance. But their words about the risen Jesus brought life. If anyone knows the power of words, it's us, the people of God, who enjoy sweet life with God because of a powerful word that was spoken to us. So what are we to do if we know the fruit of the tongue can be either life or death? We're to love it. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We're to love our words, not self-indulgently as if, oh, I love to hear myself speak. No, love our words is in be devoted to our words. Don't just like our words. Don't just treat our words like a casual relationship. Love our words. Think about our words. Study our words. Devote ourselves to our words. Search for the right word. Be precise in your meaning. Carefully communicate so that the purpose of your words can be achieved. Bringing life rather than death. Love our words if our words truly do have the power of life and death. I think the next little couplet I've chosen actually help us to love our words. So secondly, use your words carefully. I love our words by using them carefully. Uh, I, I, have you ever hurt someone uh, or wounded someone with a word? You know, I, I wonder how quickly you can think of a moment like that. I'm guessing you all have. I kind of hope in some ways that you all have because I certainly know I have. Um, this summer, we went camping as a family up north, and it was a great time. You remember summer, lots and lots of rain. Somehow, miraculously, I ended up with a whole week of just sun. It was great. So many good memories. But while I had so many good memories, there's one memory that really kind of sticks in my mind, and if I'm honest, haunts me a little bit. Uh, I was out fishing, and like a good fisherman, very frustrated. Um, I was very frustrated, and my son came up to me, and he wanted to chat with me. And in my frustrated moment, I said something like, just go and hang out with your brother. And man, his face changed, his head drooped, and he just walked off, saying nothing. See, with a reckless, thoughtless word, I pierced him like a sword. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's a pretty violent image. Swords aren't really defensive tools. They're used to attack to thrust, to divide, to wound, and to kill. So this proverb is similar to the tongue has the power of life and death, but the key difference is the focus on the reckless word. The reckless word that is spoken without thinking, the word that rushes out of your mouth before you can take it back. And I imagine because a sword is involved, maybe these are the words that are spoken in heated arguments. Uh, Anne and I lead people through pre-marriage counselling and every pre-marriage counselling there's a section on conflict resolution. Uh, listen to this quote. Some conflicts become heated as levels of anger and frustrations rise. Rather than speaking assertively, partners begin to accuse, critique or yell. 
Rather than listening actively, partners interrupt, belittle, and ignored. Physiologically, the fight or flight response is triggered as each person goes into protection mode with little or no regard for their partner. In this state of escalation, it's not uncommon to say or do things we later regret. It sounds a little bit like a sword fight. Reckless, thoughtless words wound. The words go right through you. And while they may not kill, a scar remains. And so if we want to be truly wise, if we want to live as part of God's righteous kingdom, reflecting God's love and faithfulness, we must be careful with our words. Hold our words back. Weigh them in our minds. In the marriage prep material, it suggests taking a time out. And so maybe as you see yourself heading towards reckless words with anyone, not just a marriage partner, ask for some time out. Don't tell them to take a time out. Ask for some time out. And then ask for some space. Relax. Calm down. Reflect on what's important. Identify what you're feeling or thinking, which is hard to discuss. Try to consider what the other party is saying. And remember, you're not an individual trying to win. You're an individual learning how to love. And then resume your conversation. Rather than using your words to wound, use your words to heal. 12.18, the tongue of the wise brings healing. This implies there has been a wound. Maybe it was caused by someone else's reckless words. Maybe it was caused by your own reckless words. But what does the wise do? Well, they don't ignore it. They don't sweep it under the carpet. They act. They step forward and they speak. The wise use their words to heal. Like God himself, who stepped into this world, sending his son, the word, to heal. You know, think about a time when you've hurt someone with a word. You know, that hurt can create a real deadly barrier. But then three simple words. I am sorry. And those three simple words heal. Maybe as you reflect on your words today, you've realized, man, you've messed it up so many times. You've messed up so many times with your words. You've spoken recklessly You've hurt people you've loved. And if it's true that our words reflect what's going on in our hearts, maybe you start thinking, could God even love me? But three simple words heal. And you can say them to God. I am sorry. To which God responds with healing words. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Finally, use your words truthfully. I wonder if you find it hard to be truthful. I wonder if you kind of, ah, I'm always straight to the point, no problems at all. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Uh, sometimes we might not tell the truth, I, I suspect, because we want to protect ourselves from conflict. Sometimes we don't want to really tell the truth because it's just going to make things awkward. And sometimes we might tell the truth because we actually want to save the other person from hurt. Or it could be this, in a world where the tagline is your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, maybe we feel as though we can't impose truth on someone else. And so we say nothing or we lie. But there's two things to remember. 
If the tongue has the power of life and death, then lies are very powerful. Half-truths aren't something just to be messed around with. Lying is not to be taken lightly. And secondly, if we want to build a kingdom reflecting God's loving love and faithfulness which lasts, then what we need is truth. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Truthful lips state what they truly see, say what they truly think, and declare what they truly intend. Truthful lips are reliable. Truthful lips stay true to their commitments. Telling the truth endures forever because truth is a solid foundation. Truth is built upon reality. But where does a lie come from? It doesn't come from reality. A lie is a fantasy. It's made up. And so if you build on a lie, well, it'll collapse. I think if we want to build, if we want to grow as God's people, if we want to use the power of the tongue for life, then what we truly need is truthful lips. We need to speak reality into people's lives. And friends, as people who know God, the source of all truth, as people who know Christ, the one who is full of grace and truth, and as people who have the word, the word of truth, we have all the resources we need to speak truth, a truth that endures forever. So imagine for a moment one of your friends at church is just they're loving Proverbs. I hope there's at least someone out there who's loving Proverbs. They deeply desire to grow in true wisdom. They want to be like the wise who accepts correction so they can add to their learning. And so they come to you with a bold, and it's a bold question and it's quite a vulnerable question, and they ask you, can you suggest how I might grow in love and faithfulness? Now what would you do in that moment? Will you choose truthful lips or a lying tongue? Because a lying tongue can avoid the hard conversation. You're doing fine. Just keep going the way you're going. You know, words like that, they last for a moment. Whereas truthful lips, they won't thrash out with reckless words, but they may well wound. But those wounds will be like a kiss my friend because truthful words endure forever truthful lips will carefully state what they observe humbly open the bible and gently ask if these observations are true truthful lips is what we need if we are to grow in love and faithfulness see we've talked a lot about words you know, if we were doing all 120 Proverbs, we'd be here for a lot longer. But I started today with just sharing how I'm often a little overwhelmed by the thought of changing a church's culture. How do we grow a culture of love and faithfulness? And after reading Proverbs, I'm convinced that words play a very important part. First and foremostly, God's word. His word which has brought us life. But also, our words. Because our words have the power of life and death. And our words can wound or they can bring healing. And so, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love your words. Use them carefully and use them truthfully. I'm going to close now in prayer. It's a prayer written by Tim Keller as he reflected on Proverbs 12, 18 and 19. So please pray with me. Father, 
help us to guard our lips so that we don't wound someone with rash words. And also, let us immerse ourselves in your word and what it tells us of who we are in Christ so that other people's hurtful words won't wound us. Amen. Uh, Fox has helped us think through some of what Proverbs teaches about our words. Uh, And one of the things that Proverbs has to say, uh, which is very important, is also picked up by Jesus, which is that our words reflect something about us. They reflect what's in our hearts. So in Matthew 15, Jesus said these words, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. Uh, But as Fox has talked about reckless words, we're actually reminded that for all of us, by nature, this is something that we struggle with. Um, Jesus' teaching highlights that our reckless words reveal the state of our hearts, which by nature turn away from God. Uh, But God promises healing and forgiveness to everyone who turns to him in humble confession, uh, trusting in Christ. And so there's a prayer of confession that's going to come up on the screen uh, and I'm going to give us just a moment of pause and then invite us uh, together to come to God uh, with our sins, seeking his mercy and grace, his love and faithfulness. So just take a moment before we pray together and confess our sins. Uh, Let's come before God's throne of grace together. Most merciful God, we humbly admit that we need your help. We confess that we have wandered from your way. We have done wrong and we have failed to do what is right. You alone can save us. Have mercy on us. Wipe out our sins and teach us to forgive others. Bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit that we may live as disciples of Christ. This we ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. Uh, The promise is sure uh, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And so as we have brought our sins to God, uh, trusting in Christ, let's have confidence that he has heard our prayer and forgiven our sins. And because of that, we're actually able to stand and sing praise So we're going to do that. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. The musicians are going to lead us. Let's sing God's praise, confident of our standing in Christ. Maker of the heavens and earth, exalted by the roar of a multitude, salvation and glory. 